This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Well, John, um, I'm crying out today for salvation. Somebody save me from our political system. Yeah, right. Our our country is in ruins. You know, what are we going to do? We have to, something has to be done to save us, right? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny, you, you start that way and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of the person who has no idea what the sermon was about on Sunday, and that sounds way weird. Hey, oh, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, so kind of great transition, so we're kind of talking about how, uh, which shows that I did listen, by the way. You, you did listen, and, and, and great, the Grace Deep Dive, just so people understand and know, you know, we're actually reflecting on the sermon and that kind of stuff on Sunday, so if you didn't listen... Then go back. It's up. It's already up. It was up Monday. I know last week got a little crazy. We didn't get stuff up on time, but it's up. And so go back and listen to that. Then do the very come back to here because yeah. yeah, Then my whole intro would make sense because (laughs) kind of what your sermon was about was how sometimes we as you know we live in our whatever stage of of life we're in, whether we live back in the times of Jesus or before that or after that or currently where we're living or in the fifties, whatever it is. There's always something that we're going to want our politicians to do for us. Right. To save us from whatever current situation we're in. And even now, we we do. We, we, we want our government to make policies or we want them to, to do something that, that protects our interests or our, our, uh, our fixes belief our system. Fixes our problems. Or, yeah. Fixes our problems. And the reality is, is, is there really is no politician that's going to save us. That's right. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Not, not that they can't do anything good. They can, and they can address certain issues, but there's always going to be, you know, it's it's never going to be good enough. It's there, it's it's always going to be lacking. The policies are never going to work the way we want them to, um, you know, or, or answer all the questions or, or solve all the problems we want them to. They, they don't offer salvation in that sense. Exactly. So as we look back to even the times, obviously we have our own situation, our own problems here. But if we look back... Um, times of Jesus. I've always loved this because I, I do love the idea that Christ is our savior from our sins. Right. Not necessarily from our current situation. But if you look back at, at the, the Jews living in Rome and mm-hmm. Jerusalem and all that, you know, at the time of the Roman rule, not living in Rome, but the time of the Roman rule where they were slaves to Rome and pay taxes to Rome and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, can you just kind of describe some of the background of what that was like? Those Jews, they're, they're, they're um, their current, you know, situation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, at different times in the, throughout the Roman empire, there were different kinds of things that the Jews dealt with. You know, there was, uh, later there was a time, you know, after, after Jesus death, there was a time when, uh, the Jews were kicked out of, uh, Jerusalem. Um, you know, obviously in AD 70, there was, uh, the destruction of the temple. Um, there, there was, persecution under Nero. Uh, so different, different times, um, different things happened, but a lot of it was, it, it was that, that the, the, the Jews during the time of Jesus, you know, they, they had a certain amount of freedom, but they, they weren't their own country. They weren't their own, uh, country. They weren't their own. Um, they didn't have, they weren't, they weren't able to rule themselves and they, they weren't in their own, um, place, if you will. They weren't in the promised land, uh, that God had promised them through, you know, through Abraham. And so I think, I think a lot of it has to do with that. And then of course in recent, or maybe not quite that recent, but, but not that long ago in the Maccabees and there was a revolt and they were being, you know, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes had desecrated the temple. And, and so they have within their 
culture, kind of these memories of oppression um, and, and these memories of greatness, if you will, as well, whether, you know, all the way back to Egypt and the Passover being a celebration of being freed from Egypt. And so that's in their memory. And actually, you know, during Holy Week, that's what they were doing. They were celebrating the pra- Passover and that was a memory that they were reliving. And, and, and they had been, um, you know, whether it was Babylon or, or whatever through over, over time, they had, they had been, uh, scattered and, and all these kinds of things. And so that's kind of been part of Israel's history. And even, even to more recent times, all the way up to 1948, when they were made, a, made their own country again, uh, you know, they were, they, they considered themselves to be kind of oppressed and things like that. And so, so during the time of Jesus, it, it wasn't necessarily the case that they were being, oppressed in the same way that they had at other times, but they were under the thumb of, of the Romans paying taxes to paying Rome. taxes to Rome. And they were certainly, if, if there was any sign of insurrection or, or revolt by the Jews, you know, the Romans would put that down hard. Um, and, and crucifixion wasn't just a Jesus thing. It was a common thing. Um, and they certainly used it for common criminals, you know, who, who did bad things, but also, uh, to put down insurrections and things like that. And so, so all of these things were, were kind of, present in their mind um, as they celebrated Passover. Hmm. So you kind of talked about, and I wasn't going to ask you this question, but you made me think of it. You talked about how the the Israelites or the Jews were uh, oppressed by Egypt and then they they were delivered. And then sometimes there's this cycle of when life is good, then we forget about God. Oh, yeah. And so do you think God uses sometimes oppression to kind of bring about some spiritual revival? Yeah, I hundred percent. I think, um, I, th- I think even, even as you look at, uh, the, you know, the diaspora, the, the, the Jews that were scattered, I think God used that later, you know, after Jesus death, God used that later to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, because they were oppressed. And so they scattered and, 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 and they brought, they brought the gospel with them. Right. Um, I think that, I think that happens a lot and, and God, sometimes uses not only uh, instances where where we might be scattered and bring the gospel with us, but also then in those moments we cry out to God because we're, we feel that oppression um, and we feel and we feel the, the the significance of our our lostness, if you will, and and things don't go well. And all of a sudden we're God, what's going on? We cry out to God and, and, and God will often hear. I, I'm reading through the book of Judges right now. Uh, just in my personal reading. And that's kind of a cycle of that over and over and over again, where, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they start to worship these other gods. The, the judges uses the word that they whore themselves after, after the bales, these other gods, and, and then things don't go well. And then they cry out and then God sends a judge and they, you know, freeze them. And then it's just a recycle all over again, over and over and over again. So, so yeah, God uses that to to punish us in a way, or I should say, to discipline us, to bring us back to a place where we're ready to 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 um, be redeemed and and go. Oh wait a minute, yeah, I need to be following Jesus or God in that case, in the case of the Jews. So so yeah, I think He absolutely uses that for all, for all those reasons. Yeah, I think you know when it comes to just being politically oppressed and all that kind of stuff, it does kind of points your it kind of refocuses you again. Like yeah. even for even the Jews, you know. The most important thing isn't that they're politically free. 
and right. so they are free from their sin. Right. And that's the, that's the, the best thing there. And I think for us too, no matter what our situation is, whether it's political or whether it's economic or some family situation, uh, the point of that is to, to bring us back to the cross again and the throne of God and saying, you know what, no matter what I'm going through, right. You're still, you're still number one. You're going to get me through this. And, and well, and I think that it also is, it also raises the distinction, if you will, between somebody who's very serious about their faith and says, I love Jesus and I'm going to follow him no matter what. And the person who's kind of, uh, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a cultural Christian. I'm a Christian as long as it's nice and convenient. Yeah. But as soon as times get tough, oh, I'll, I'll forget that. I don't, I don't need that, that difficulty in my life. And so, and so I think it, 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 it it purifies, if you will, the church, which I'm not, you know, I don't want to pray for purification because uh, purification comes with pain. <laughs> um, in, in some senses, I don't want that. But in, in other senses, it's, it's sometimes necessary. And, and, and God definitely brings that at times and purifies the church. And, um, and, and that's all the more reason that we need to be serious about our faith when, th- when times are good. But when times are good and it's easy, you know, it's easy to not be serious. Yeah. And discipline yourself to appreciate and yeah. be thankful. And yeah, those are important qualities. Uh, do you think, you know, not necessarily spiritually speaking, but do you think we're facing any political oppression, maybe not so much in the U S or just worldwide or, uh, and just anybody, not necessarily just Christians, but I mean, oh, different government man. systems are going to be, you know, right. No, that's, that's a difficult question because I think we are even in the States more than we have in, 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 in probably America's history. Um, and, and I'm not speaking of, of oppression in general, because obviously there were parts of America's history that were other, where certain groups were oppressed and, you know, think of slavery and things like that, which is terrible, um, which was horrible. Um, but as far as like Christianity itself being oppressed, um, I think we're facing a lot more persecution now than, than we have in America's history. Um, other parts of the world, you know, you know, China has persecuted Christians for as long as I've been alive, um, and and much longer. Uh, you know, Russia did that for for many years. I mean, I, I remember growing up in the in the eighties and and you know reading reading books of stories of, of, of Christians who were being tortured in in in, in the USSR and, and those kinds of things. And so so I think it's always been there in in some part of the world. Um, I think we are facing it more so in the United States than we have in, in the history of the United States for Christianity. And I don't know how, where that's going to go or how far that's going to go. I mean, there's obviously all kinds of things related to religious freedom, uh, cases that are going before the Supreme court all the time. Um, and, and so, you know, so, so that becomes, you know, to what extent are we going to continue to be able to live out our, our religious convictions here in the United States with freedom in, in the future? I don't, I don't honestly know the answer to that, but I think, I think it's on the horizon that pers- and persecution seems to be increasing. Hmm. What about not, what about even just like, uh, not necessarily a Christian point of view, but yeah. what about oppression just towards people in general? I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely seems to be. There definitely seems to be a um, a, a desire, and, and this is kind of human nature, right? But there seems to be a desire to control and to control people's thoughts and speech because if if our th- if their thoughts and speech don't match ours, then we kind of think, well, there must be something wrong with them. Uh, you know, hate speech, hate hate crimes, those kinds of things. Um, you know, it, it's almost become thought crimes, right? And so. It, it, the whole concept of hate crimes to me is kind of weird, to be honest with you. Um, 
and, and we've kind of defined it in these weird ways because I think most crimes are crimes of hate. Like I, it's it's weird when it's not. It's the exception. Like in other words, it, you know, if if you go kill somebody. Was My assumption them? is you hate them, yeah, right. And, and unless it's some kind of twisted mental disorder kind of thing going on, right? Like, so so it's kind of like, oh, but, but this one's a hate crime, well, okay. So and oftentimes it's connected to race and things like that. And and I just think that's odd because then it's now we're not just punishing you for what you actually did, but now what you thought. And and so I think I think that's kind of weird to to start punishing people for what they think. Yeah. Um, and, and instead of what they do. And so, so I, I but think you still, but you still like, you know, it's obviously not good to hate people. No, of course okay. not. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Obviously. No, of course not. No, the, the point isn't, but you know, let's, let's be honest. If we were all judged on our thoughts and, and, and punished according to our thoughts, we'd be in a lot more trouble than, For sure. than we are. Yeah. You know, all um, sides. Yeah. But, but we hopefully develop filters in order to do that. So I think, I think there is this sense though, which, um, which, certain groups of people are trying to control people's not only their actions but their thoughts and 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 then and it spills over into even things that they say right and so we're trying to censor things that people say if they don't disagree with us um you know safe zones and all these things that are going on you, you don't you don't you can't have you can't offend me you can't say anything that offends me now and so so there's an oppression of speech um it's an attempt to control people's thoughts and actions um and, and there's, there's a legitimate place for that, obviously. You know, Romans 13 talks about the role of government and controlling, uh, you know, crimes and things like that, murder, things. You know, I mean, the government carries the sword for the purpose of, of creating order. Um, and, and so that, that's a legitimate purpose of government, but, but it can go f- too far. And I think we are experiencing a lot of that where, where now you no longer can say or do anything that might offend me. It's not an actual crime. It just offends me. And so there's a, an attempt to control people's actions and their speech. And I think that's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. And, and it's happened in other places, too. It happens in, in a lot of communist and socialist countries where they try to control the media and they control the people's speech and, you know, everything. And, and, it, and it, it's, it's not, a, not a good place to be. People eventually will cry out. They will eventually cry out or they'll revolt yeah. or they'll, you know, yeah. And in this situation, <laughs> we can cry, cry out politically, but the biggest thing is we need to cry out spiritually and get that, get our hearts right. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, just individually, you know, it's always important to do that. But, um, well, and I think, I think that's part of the message of Palm Sunday is that, is that we live in a, in a, in a country that has a political system that, you know, um, tries to accomplish certain things. But I, I honestly, and I know this might sound weird. I don't worry a lot about, it. I worry about my kids kind of thing, you know, my generationally, like I worry about my kids and the environment that they'll grow up in. But my, my biggest worry isn't, isn't that they will, whether they will have religious freedom or not. My biggest worry is that they will follow Jesus, whether they have religious freedom or not. Mm-hmm. And your end goal is still Jesus. My, my angle is still Jesus. Yeah. I, I want them to love Jesus. I want them to follow Jesus, no matter what political system they live under. And because, because we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God before we are citizens of any kingdom of this earth. Mm. And that, and that, I think that's Palm Sunday reminds us of that. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I think we do easily get caught up in whatever the current culture environment, uh, social, social situation that we're around. Reality is it's end game is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. And yeah. And so it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you should always be able to follow well. Yeah. And, and that's why I don't worry a lot because, you know, Kingdoms, kingdoms come and go, mm-hmm. and Policies kings come and go, and what's that? 
policies come and go and rulings yeah. happen and they revolts happen, yeah. rebellions happen. Um, you know, you know, just to take a huge, a much more broader historical viewpoint of things. I think that's really helpful. I'm kind of a big per- picture person and, and, and we can get caught up in the time we're in at the moment, you know, the, the 80 years that we're going to be alive on this earth. But we, sometimes it's very helpful to take a broader historical perspective and go, this isn't about my 80 years. This is about, um, this is about all of human history and about God's redemptive plan throughout history. Hmm. I think you kind of touched on this. Um, so if kings, presidents, and politicians can't really save us, yeah, what role do humans have, if any? Yeah. Well, and that's, and I did, I did touch on that a little bit and that's that Romans 13 thing, right? Like, so you go and read, read Romans 13 talks about the role of government and, and that's really important. There is a, there is a legitimate role of government, certainly even in the old Testament. I mean, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, um, were a lot about what the laws are for Israel and, and the role of government and how they are supposed to interact with each other. It was a different thing because it was more of, um, you know, at least for a time, it was almost a theocracy, right? And you had, in, even when they had a king, they had a prophet, right? You know, Nathan was David's prophet. And, and, so, and so that prophet would speak to the king and to the people on behalf of God. And so there was, even, even when there was a king, there was kind of a theocracy of sorts where God was still leading the nation, or ideally anyways. But, um, and so, so there is a legitimate role of government to, t- to tell us how we ought to treat one another and, and those kinds of things. Um, and it's important. And, and, you know, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? You know, when, when he was asked about paying taxes by the Pharisees, he said, well, give me, give me some money. Let me see who's, who's face, you know, whose uh, face is on it basically. Oh, that's Caesar. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. And so, so there is a role of government and not only that, but God puts kings and, and, and world leaders in those places. God is sovereign over that. Now, I know we look and we go, yeah, but there's evil ones. What about them? Well, God's sovereign over that. We might not understand it. And, and God will, will work through that according to his purposes, right? It's not like he's panicking for four years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. That one became president? Oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, God's not scared of that. Um, you know, but sometimes God gives us what we ask for. Mm-hmm. And and elections, when we elect people, we're asking for that leader. Yeah. And and abstaining from elections, just so you know, like, I'm, I think you ought to be involved. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question, actually, is, yeah. is you know, obviously, we're, we're having an infinite kingdom mentality. We're, we're living for the eternal. The eternal, right? But we live on earth. And yeah. I know that you're... you're uh, you're proactive in, in just uh, speaking up for certain situations uh, politically, and yeah. I know that you'll do that sometimes. And uh, so, what is the, what is the balance? How do we live with a eternal mindset while living with a physical, earthly, finite mindset? Yeah, that's you know. I think a lot of people really want to separate politics and their faith, and I think that there's it takes it takes wisdom to know when to do that and when not to do that. And I think we need to be careful. Um, we ought not separate ourselves completely from politics. And as a matter of fact, you read through the Bible. I, I don't know how you can think that our faith is separate from our politics. It, it can't be. I mean, you, you know, look at Daniel. Well, he, he held the political position. You know, he was he was a government employee who was in the government, who was who was a, basically a spokesperson uh, of God to, you know, um, you know, you know, to the government of that time. And, you know, uh, and, and I think we see that all time. Joseph, when he, when he was in Egypt. Right. I mean, he was put in this high 
position of power so that for the sake of God's chosen people. And, and, and so God used that in a political environment. The language that is used in the New Testament uh, in Jesus' own teaching about the kingdom of God is that, well, what is that? That's a political kind of phrase, kingdom. There's a kingdom and there's a king. Those are political things. And so politi- politics is in our uh, scriptures in a very significant way. Revelation talks a lot about politics and, 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 and there's a good amount of that that is a response to the politics of the time in some ways. And so, and so while it looks forward to an eternal kingdom and a, and a new heavens and new earth, it does address those things. Um, but Jesus also says things like give to Caesars what is Caesars and God was God's. And so what are the things that are Caesars? Well, taxes is one. I don't like the, all the things our taxes go towards. Uh, the, some of them d- disturb me in, in very significant ways. Um, and, and I will fight when, when I can to, uh, to, to see that that money goes to better uses. We just paid taxes and, and I had to pay. Let me tell you. You did. I've heard, oh, I've heard pretty this happening this Yeah. But, but I, you know, so, so. And that's pretty normal for me when, you know, pastors and stuff, depending on how they, how they're set up, but we almost always have to pay. And, and I kind of prefer it that way. I just, I don't want to give them any more money. Than I have to, but anyways, gotcha. so, so we had to, we had to pay, but where's that money going to go to and who's that going to support? And is it going to support things I don't agree with? Yep. Is it going to support things I think are against God? Yes. Am I responsible for that? No, I'm giving to Caesar what is Caesar's mm-hmm. and Caesar's doing you know, Caesar, the government is yeah. doing, doing with that, what, 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 what it wants to. So, um, but you still speak up and yeah, but I still speak up, especially when it comes to moral and religious issues. I speak up on abortion mm. quite a bit. I speak up on, um, issues related to, I guess they're more cultural, but they're also legal, legal and political, uh, related to, um, sexual identity and things like that. I mm. speak up on, uh, you know, to some degree, social justice types, types of issues, even though I, I probably don't have the perspective a lot of people have with, with that. Um, but I speak up. I, I, so I, so I absolutely speak up. I, it's, it's not often. I, I don't normally endorse candidates, but I will address issues mm. and you can probably figure out what I, th- what candidates I support by the issues I address, but, um, but that, that's fine. So, so yeah, I think we ought to speak up on issues that are biblical, that are moral, that are all those kinds of things. And there may even be a time to endorse a candidate. I don't do that usually, but, um, you know, if you ask me, you try oh, not to yeah. take, buy me lunch. I'll tell you what I think. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, you said, uh, towards the end of your sermon this week, you said that that Jesus is going to reign. He will yeah, reign. Yeah. Uh, the question is, will you kneel? And that was, I thought that was a very good phrase because it does, it, it reminds us that Jesus will, he will reign, even in the midst of all this, yeah. you know, the historical chaos, you know, not just our, you know, current situation that we're in the whatever, we, whatever we're going through, we always think is the biggest ordeal <laughs> right? ever. Right. But if you look historically, I mean, there's been chaos for, for thousands of years and, uh, but he is reigning. He, he will reign again. You know, he does all that, but you, you asked the question, will he kneel and I, will you kneel? And what do you think that looks like practically nowadays? Like, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's a, kind of an odd question because obviously we're not walking around just kneeling everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, Philippians 2 talks about every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And um, and, and I think there is there is a um, real sense in which, uh, you know, you know, it's it's one thing to show respects. You know, if President Trump were to show up in town and and so, at some place where you were, you ought to show respect. But but I don't kneel to him. 
right? I would show respect to the office um, and those kinds of things, you know, and Mr. President. Just to clarify, if uh, it doesn't matter, Trump. Or, yeah, Obama, Obama, whoever. You show respect. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, President Obama visited my sister's kennel in Alaska, her, her dog kennel. She, she races, normally races in the Iditarod. She's not this year, but, um, but, but, you know, so, so there's like, I wasn't there. I wish, you know, I would, I would, I would love to meet Ob- oh, yeah. Obama, um, or Trump. I'd love to meet either of them. Honestly, what I'd really like is to just sit down and have lunch with them and have a real conversation, you know, and understand them as people. But, um, but yeah, but I would show respect. Um, but I don't bow before them. I don't, mm. there's only one I kneel before and that's Jesus, right? That's, um, and so I think that the understanding that, that distinction between I am first a citizen of heaven, you know, a citizen of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, always, that is my number one allegiance in all of life. Second, you know, as far as, as far as, uh, allegiance is concerned, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States of America and, and, and I do, I love my country. I, it's far from perfect, but I love my country and I'll show respect to my president and, and even leaders of other nations. Um, but, but my allegiance is to Jesus first. And so when, whenever something with the kingdom of God comes in conflict with the, with the kingdom of man, I, you know, to, to, to say what Peter said, you know, uh, I'll, I'll obey God. You know, when he talked about that in Acts, you know, okay. who, what am I supposed to do? Am I, am I supposed to obey man or God? Well, I'll obey God. I'm paraphrasing. But that's that's basically what he said. So I think that's part of it. But even in our personal lives, there's a sense in which will you kneel or do you demand to be king of your own life? And because that's that's often our tendencies. I want to rule over my own life. Makes sense. I mean, we're, we're create we're taught from an early age. Be independent. We are. You don't need anybody. You don't need your parents anymore. Go, you go make that money. You go take care of this. You address this issue. So yeah. it's really hard yeah. to kind of undo that thinking to some degree. I mean, there's a, it's a balance, it, you know? It is a balance because obviously work ethic is really important and good and all those kinds of things. But but when I, um, when I think about who rules my life, and it's not that I don't make decisions. I do. I make decisions all the time, but I always defer to God, right? If God calls me to something other than what I'm doing, then that's what I do. And I think that that's, that's kneeling. And so, um, and, and obeying scripture. If, if, if scripture comes in conflict with policies at work, um, you know, maybe there's a policy at work that, that comes in conflict with scripture. Well, you obey scripture. You lose your job. Okay. You mm. lose your job. God will take care of you. Gotcha. Um, but, if uh, it, but if it doesn't affect, but if it's just a, a policy kind of do unto Caesar, what is Caesar's yeah, essentially? Of course. Yeah. You know, obey the policy as long as it doesn't come into conflict with what God teaches. But, but God rules my life. Jesus rules my life, not somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we have all kind of, cl- all kinds of cliches, you know, put, put God in the driver's seat, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's, it, it, so maybe that's helpful for, for some, I guess the point is this, that, that we ought to be deferring everything in our life. Our decisions with our spouse, our kids, our, our 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 employers, our government, everything falls under the umbrella of of what does God's word teach and what is God calling me to do? And and I do I follow what God's word teaches and what God's calling me to do. And if that comes into conflict with something else, so be it. Yeah, it's almost like we have to have the mentality of going to to our king and say, What are my orders for today? What are my orders in the situation? 
And then he says, here are the orders. Now go, go do it. And then that's where we have that freedom. Okay, here's what yeah. I'm going to do. And then we report back to the king and say, here's what I've done. How, how did I do? Yeah. And well, it's a submission type thing. Yeah. And not only that, I think, I think that's, that's really helpful, Johnny. And, and, and I would take it another direction and go and go that route that, you know, cause there's kind of this corporate level that we do that, but there's also a very personal level in which we do that. And so sometimes that means giving up sin. Is God Lord of my, is Jesus Lord of my life? Well, well, I, I've been hanging on to this sin. Well, kneeling before him says, I give up the sin. So, so it can be a Even sin thing. I love this sin. Yeah. Just got to give it up. It can be a sin thing. It can be employer thing. It can be a family thing, a relational thing. I, I'm deferring to God in all areas of my life. All his, OB, all his commands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have a question from one of our listeners, uh, actually one of our, uh, she goes to the church here, Michelle, and she has a friend on Facebook. And I think it's, it, I think it's more of an anti- antagonistic question, Yeah, you know, which is fine. Um, and talking about Easter and basically, uh, I think, it, I think it was a gentleman. He's cha- challenging her as to why we celebrate Easter, uh, celebrating a criminal that died on a cross and kind of the further it is, uh, is there a justification for Jesus being on a cross from a non-Christian perspective? Right. So they look back a non-Christian looks back. We look at it and go savior of the world died right. for our sins. They look back and go, it's just a, obviously must've just been a criminal. Right. Um, is there any reason for him to be on a cross at that point? Yeah. Well, let's be clear. Even from a secular perspective, this is a great question and, and it's very interesting. And I think what you have in the new Testament is you have, re- you have records, uh, in very much historical type records. Luke even says, um, to Theophilus, like I'm, I'm writing this down so that you have a good, an accurate, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the opening verses of Luke, the gospel of Luke, he says, I'm writing this for you, Theophilus, so that you can have an accurate uh, description of what actually happened. So it's very historical in, in their perspective and, and Mark and Matthew. So these are historical records of what actually happened. It's really important to remember that this isn't just, you know, um, this isn't like the Quran for, for Muslims where, where Muhammad just received words from God, you know, at least that's their claim and, and wrote them down in a book. We right? have that too. Just to be fair, we, we have do, that sure. of scripture too. We do, but we have, but, but, but what we have situation, in the gospels yeah. is, is very much a historical record of what Jesus taught, his life, his death, his resurrection, those kinds of things. That and can so, be confirmed and matched up with secular historians. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there are, are historians outside of, of, you know, Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, uh, Josephus, others that, others that confirm, um, the historicity of, of these, these records. Right. And so we have these, and that's really important to, to understand. And so, and so what we have, uh, especially when it comes to Jesus and, and presented in the gospels is not that Jesus was a criminal. That's not what actually we're told. Even though Christ- crucifixion was for mostly for criminals yeah. or, or insurrections or, or, or political insurrections or, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. So we, and crucifixion was common. It wasn't uncommon, right? It was, it would happen frequently. As a matter of fact, the Romans were experts at it. They were really good at what they did. Um, um, and so, and so what we have with Jesus, if you read this, the historical records that we have, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially, but John and some of the epistles as well, but but you, you read those and what do we have? We have this whole trial going on, right? And, and, and Jesus is brought before, this, you know, um, um, Caiaphas and he's brought before Pilate, right? And, and he's a Roman. And, and, and or these are Jews. Well, well, Pilate is. Pilate's yeah. a Roman, right? He's, he's, he's a Roman uh, ruler. And so, and so Jesus is brought before him and they have this discussion. And, um, 
about the, about whether he's guilty or not, you know, and, and that whole thing. And cause the Jews are, are basically bringing Jesus because they're not allowed to put to death. They're allowed to, to do a lot of things as far as their own people, but they aren't allowed to put people to death. Only the Romans can do that. So they, and, and so they brought Jesus before him and says, Hey, he is a criminal, right? He has broken these laws of ours. And so, and, and Pilate tries to defer back to him and go, look, you know, this is your problem. You take care of it. And they go, yeah, but our law calls for him to be put to death. We can't do that. So you take care of it. And, and, and so he has this conversation, he questions Jesus, you know, and he says, are you a king? And, and there's kind of this conversation that goes back and forth. And, and Pilate comes out and says, I find no fault with him. He's not a criminal. He's not a criminal. And so, and so there's this real, so he becomes a political, um, a political, what would you call it? I'm, I'm losing the words here, but it's, it's a political crucifixion. It's a political uh, punishment, right? Because, because the Jews want him put to get, put to death. Uh, he what says, is there, what is there, what are their crimes against him? Well, blasphemy, yeah, but yeah, blasphemy, you know, claim to be God, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, so they, and their laws call for, call for somebody to be, be put stoned. to death. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes. Be stoned. Right. Okay. So if the Jews did it, they'd have stoned him, which is, which is really crazy when you begin to think about, um, the prophecies, right. And you go back to Isaiah and it just describes death on a cross, but they didn't even use crucifixion when Isaiah wrote that. And that certainly would have, wouldn't have been according to Jewish law because they would have stoned him. Yeah. That's how they did it. And so the idea that, that now in the new Testament, he gets put on a cross to fulfill that prophecy. That's very unusual, which makes it miraculous. Yeah. Right. You can't, I mean, predict, this is, you can't predict that. You can't predict that, especially when crucifixion hadn't even been started yet. Like, yeah. you know, that was written by Isaiah about 400 years before crucifixion was even a thing. And so, um, so you have, so you, so he's not a criminal. That's, that's the kind of the point. As a matter of fact, you know, what, what, what does Pilate do? He goes, he goes, look, you can have Barabbas or you can have Jesus. Barabbas is a criminal. Like he, he's supposed to be put to death and they say, Oh, set the criminal free. But we want Jesus put to death. Mm-hmm. And so, and so there's kind of this, he wasn't a criminal. It was, um, it, there was no justification for him to be put on the cross. And Pilate even washes his hands, washes his hand. My, my hands are clean of, of this because, because he is an innocent man because he's convinced he's innocent. Yeah. And he doesn't want that responsibility. Yeah. His you blood's know, on your hands, Juice. Well, I was thinking too, like, you know, it sounds like it's a political thing too. To some degree, you know, they talked about putting political, um, the uprising, all these political figures yeah. that try to take over. And that's kind of what it seemed like Jesus was well, what they wanted him to do, right? Yeah. To take over. Exactly. And, and yet he wasn't really still a threat, it seems like, to Rome. Because you think that would have been a for sure reason to put him to death is that he's this political figure. He's this king. Hosanna, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're praising yeah. him and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you would think that would be the green light to put him to death. And yet, for some reason, even still, they weren't worried about him in that sense, <laughs> seemed like. Yeah, well, and, and I think I think Jesus even puts Pilate at ease with that, right? Because Pilate's asking him, are you a king? And, he, you know, Jesus is like, who told you this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who told you this? And and Pilate's, you know, is this is this for yourself or has somebody been talking to you? And and, and he, he begins to he, he begins to kind of, you know, in the conversation, eventually Pilate goes, oh, so you are a king. And he goes, well, yeah, but, but not the kind of king you think. I'm, I'm a king of a different kind. Like my, my my kingdom is not of this world is what Jesus says. Mm. Well, okay. So what does that do for Pilate? In other words, Pilate, I'm no threat to you. And, and Jesus even says, if it were, they would have fought to prevent my arrest. Right? Like, so there's this kind of this, this, they didn't fight. Jesus stopped them from fighting. 
know, Peter pulls out the sword, cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus says, put your sword away and, and heals him and, and then goes willingly. There's no threat to Pilate. And he makes that clear in that conversation. So not only is he not a criminal, he's also not a political activist trying to take over Rome. He's exactly. He must be. There's something else going something, on. It's a different kind of else kingdom. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. So then the crucifixion on the cross is bigger than just punishment or f- control. It's. Well, he was appeasing the Jews. Yeah, yeah. You so know? there'd be that. There would be that. So there wouldn't be this public. That that might. There probably was political pressure. Mm-hmm. I want to appease the Jews. I don't want political unrest, so I'm going to give them what they want. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, there there was no there was no secular justification for him as far as being a criminal is concerned for him to be put on a cross. So then, going back to the, the question that then would be, um, is there justification? Yeah, from a non Christian standpoint, there really isn't. There really except isn't. for maybe just to con- to appease appease the masses. Yeah, that's give, it. Get the people they wanted. That's it. But we know what it is. What the reason he had to die. Right. Was to pay for the sin. Well, and let's be clear. I mean, this Sunday's Easter, right? We don't celebrate the death of Jesus so much as we celebrate what? The resurrection. The resurrection of yeah. Jesus Christ. That he conquered death. If he just died like everybody else and that was the end of it, nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. He's just another guy who that Rome put to death. The crazy, crazy guy. Yeah, he's, he's a crazy guy. He, he said a lot of crazy stuff. You know, it was attributed to, you know, people think he did miracles, things like that, but he just died at the end of the day. Whereas lots of people ran around claiming to be the Messiah that died. That's not, that's not that unusual. Yeah. Um, the difference between Jesus and them was that Jesus rose again. Mm-hmm. And that's why they celebrate Easter. And he's going to come back with a sword. Yeah. So come on Sunday, celebrate Easter at Grace Fellowship. It's going to be amazing. We got baptisms. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be wonderful. Awesome. You're great. Hey, as any, uh, as we kind of wrapped up, you have any resources you recommend? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I just, I, not really, I guess I would just say this, that, that when it comes to politics and, and our faith, you know, cause that, that came up and that wasn't necessarily the driving force of the message at all. Um, but, but it does come up. I think, I think we need to evaluate our political lives in light of our faith and that that's important. Um, and you know, what, whatever, whatever you think about our current politicians, um, I, I think that we, we need to consider their faith and their faith influences their politics and our faith ought to influence our politics. And, and so, so maybe just a comment about that is all. Yeah. And then, uh, do you want to wrap it up or? Yeah. Well, the big, big idea, idea, the big, big idea. idea. Yeah. That sounds to me, I was like, is this the big idea? Cause no, that no, no. sounds good. Yeah. It was, it, it's not though. The big okay, idea I was, was something confused. else. Go ahead. What's the big idea? Wrap it up, John. The, the Kings of man come and go, but Jesus will reign forever. Will you kneel before him? That's our big idea. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.